to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Friday, October 7, 2022. The South Sudan Police Service says it has restored order in South Sudan's capital, Juba, after a protest by border-border operators. So there were a lot of forces around the office. People fire, people fire into the air, a lot of bullets. Still all bullets were over, and these guys rampage the, 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 the police left, and they entered the, the compound. They took all the motorcycles that were there. And South Sudanese officials say they are working to remove ghost workers from government payrolls. This is a computer, computerized system whereby people are paid through computer systems and the names are computerized so it would be difficult after this this is another way of fighting this duplication of names and payment we'll have these stories and more coming up on south sudan in focus The South Sudan Police Service says they have restored law and order in Juba Town following the shooting of two people during a protest by the border border operators. The chairman of the South Sudan Border Border Association says an operator was allegedly shot dead by the police Thursday, sparking a reaction from other colleagues. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. <laughs> Hundreds of border border drivers and residents of Juba's Haimauna neighborhood outraged over yesterday's death of a border border driver shout at police accusing them of killing innocent people. Residents and border border drivers came face to face with riot police and soldiers at the office of the South Sudan Border Border Association demanding justice for a border border driver killed during a scuffle between police and residents. Police have not released the name of the victim. Abram Jok, chairman of the South Sudan Border Border Association, says the trouble began after an argument erupted between police officers and some residents. Somebody was trying to grab the gun from the police, and in that process, uh, they released the bullet and they went and they hit innocent Border Border. And from that situation, that Border Border passed away this morning at 1 a.m. So now the Borobora guys are saying that police is a police for the association. Today, hundreds of hungry Borobora drivers stormed the association's office, demanding an explanation for the killing of their colleague. Jock says the situation got out of hand and police intervened. So there were a lot of forces around the office. People fire, people fire into the air, a lot of bullets. Still all bullets were over. And these guys rampage the, 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 the police left and they entered the, the compound. They took all the motorcycles that were there. Over 80, over 80 motorcycles that were in the compound were taken away by them. The criminals now entered now. Jock says eventually the angry mob left the office of the Border Border Association in flames. Major General Daniel Justin, a spokesperson for the South Sudan National Police Service, says the situation forced the police to shoot randomly into the air to try to stop the fighting. The, the police uh, tried to stop it by firing in the air, but at the end there were some casualties. Uh, Four people got injured during the process, and then they were taken to hospital for treatment. 
And okay. the case was open in Mauna police station. We are now investigating to know exactly what were the clashes. And that is what happened this afternoon. Nobody, nobody got killed. Josephine Izaza, a spokesperson for the Juba City Council, confirms that one person was killed yesterday and says three protesters were wounded today. There is uh, three people here in the hospital. Yeah, and then there is uh, one person who killed yesterday. Yeah, and then the three, uh, they are still in the hospital today. I oh, know it's very small in their legs. Peter James Wani, a relative to one of the border border drivers involved in chaos today, was at the location when police cracked down the border border drivers who converged on the offices of the border border associations. He is accusing the police of killing innocent people. We really feel sorry for what is happening. The government is killing people. They are killing people here. They are killing, killing people here in South Sudan. The police, the army, they are now, even you can see how people are running. If you are seeing us in your vision, you can see how people are running. They are shooting people. They have already killed about five. And they have shot. Wani says, but the border drivers are angry with the association for the harsh treatment of the drivers with little protection provided by the association when they have issues with authorities. But the border association is taking all the money of the border association and yesterday they killed innocent blood. That's why the border could have reason to make sure there is a very big strike. And now, as you see, they have broken, they have already burnt down the house, the office of the border, border association. What in Juba today is dangerous. Juba City Council Mayor Michael Lado Alajabo, who rushed to the scene of the fighting today, assured the rioting border, border drivers that the police who killed one of their colleagues yesterday has been arrested. <laughs> We have come here to talk to you and to understand each other with the authorities of Juba Town. We heard of what had happened yesterday. I personally met the person who shot the border border rider and we have arrested him and locked him in detention. The law will take its course because you know anybody who kills a person must face the law. Rides group have accused security forces in South Sudan of shooting and killing civilians in Juba. In June 2020, seven civilians were killed in Juba's Gumbo neighborhood east of the River Nile during a land dispute between an army officer and residents. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba. Officials at the South Sudanese Embassy in Khartoum say a known number of refugees from South Sudan were reportedly killed by gunmen during attacks on refugees in several parts of West Kordofan state. A South Sudanese activist based in Khartoum says the Sudanese gunmen allegedly attacked refugees at Mujlid. For VOA News, Deng Deng reports from Bor. Joseph Yor, the humanitarian attache at the South Sudan Embassy in Sudan, says gunmen reportedly killed an specified number of South Sudanese refugees during attacks on refugee camps in recent weeks, including last Thursday in Sudan's West Kordofan state. 
Yor says the embassy is concerned about what he calls continuous attacks on South Sudanese refugees. We have talked to the authorities in West Kordofan so that they carry out the investigations. And after tomorrow, we have meeting with the governor because it is not only Muglad that has the problems. There is also an issue in Pula, and we have issues in Valila, and all these areas are in West Kordofan state. Your says officials at the South Sudan's embassy in Khartoum are planning to meet the governor of West Kordofan state, Khalid Mohammed, of the attacks and ask him to investigate it so that the perpetrators are brought to book. When the government of Kordofan finishes their investigations, they will tell us what the problem is. But the information we have is that the problem always arises from the farms. Our people who work at the farms are not fed on time, most of the time even after they finish the work. So that causes problems between the owner of the farm and the workers. West Kordofan Governor Khalid Mohammed says he is not aware of the incident, but says he will order an investigation into the reported attacks. No, that information has not reached me. 15 people key recently. Let me find out, and I hope we will establish what happened. Khartoum-based South Sudanese activist Achol Malong says on Thursday suspected Sudanese gunmen killed 15 refugees in Muklat, including women and children. Malong says the fighting started between South Sudanese children and Messiria children. He says elders came and went on rampage, raiding South Sudanese houses and attacking people with machetes. The incident that happened is very bad. It's not something good at all. Now our civilians who are working the farms have left the farms. We told them to move out and go to the town because the issue keeps growing. Cutting people with machetes and shooting people every day is not good. The people could finish. We, we told them to go and, and better start their own farms if this is the way they could die. Malung says three of the injured are in critical situation in a nearby hospital. She says the latest attack brings the total number of South Sudanese killed in Kordofan to 66 between July and September. Sudan is hosting an estimated 800,000 South Sudanese refugees who are mostly in the Darfur region. The Darfur region has experienced volatile security situation for almost two decades. For VOA News, I'm Deng Guiding in Bor. The government of South Sudan says it is setting up an electronic payment system in the country to remove ghost workers from payrolls. Information Minister Michael McQuay says a World Bank project will support the Ministry of Public Service to address the problem of ghost workers in South Sudan. An economist says a biometric payroll will benefit the government and save money. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. The World Bank approved a $34 million International Development Association grant to support a five-year public financial management and institutional strengthening project. 
In our press release, the World Bank says the project specifically aims to improve the preparation of the national budget and associated implementation process and governance reforms as outlined in Chapter 5 of the 2018 Revitalized Agreement on the Resolution of the Conflict in the Republic of South Sudan, our ACRIS, and its commitment under the International Monitoring Fund Staff Monitored Program. The South Sudan cabinet this week approved plans to implement a new electronic payroll system in connection with the World Bank project. Information Minister Michael Makwe says the new system will help the public service ministry control the chronic problem of ghost workers on government payrolls. This is a computer, computerized system whereby people are paid through computer systems and the names are computerized so it will be difficult after this this is another way of fighting this duplication of names and payment there are so many people who could be working in different places and pay getting pay at the same time from all over so this payroll system is a new system that will control all this Garang Tong Aken, South Sudan's Deputy Minister for Cabinet Affairs, says the government provides $100 a year to maintain the current system. The government cluster has advised the Minister of Public Services to go and make a breakdown of 34 million to see what are the requirements for the electronic system. Joseph Bakasoro, Minister for Public Service and Human Resource Development, says for years, ghost workers on the government payroll has been a big problem in South Sudan. We have um, uh, a lot of employees who are not registered, who are not known, who are ghost names, and who are not even employees, but they are in the payroll. So we are trying to, by metric, uh, every individual to make sure that the government of South Sudan pays the right people who are employed. Bakasoro says all employees will be screened and government employees will be verified before their information is entered into the new system. We don't know, but we assume there are a lot of ghost workers existing in the payroll. After installing the system and it is working in South Sudan, we may retrieve a lot of money which has been going to people who are not employed, uh, to ghost workers, to people who are already dead, the disease, whose names are still in the payroll. Economics Abraham Mamer, who is an advisor to the government's economic cluster, is optimistic the biometric system will cut down on the amount of money spent on salaries. For a number of years, our, our payroll has suffered a lot of uh, issues. First of all, the payroll is never accurate. It was never accurate. It's always full of fake names, ghost names, they are known. And also, so this system, I believe, will fix this fictitious name, the fake name, the ghost name, the they, they unqualified people, they, they even... Some people put the, the, the names of their children. They have never been to school. They never been employed. So we are going to, to phase this out because we are going to have the real person. A South Sudan teacher who wishes to remain anonymous for safety reasons says he believes an electronic payroll system will expedite salary payments but doubts. 
this system will result in a bigger paycheck for him or other salarized workers. I don't have a problem with that electronic system of payment. It is good. I don't care. But what I care is the problem between electronic and the salary we get. The salary is little. It's not clear when the biometric payroll will be rolled out. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. Listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Zambia arrests corrupt government officials. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today What job would you be really bad at and why? If I was to be a doctor, I don't think I would do it well because I'm not actually confident at uh, treating people. But I have that humanity of uh, I can treat someone well, what, but I can't treat you like a patient. I'll be really bad at any job that would tell me what to wear. I'm a person that doesn't like to use tie, especially. So any job that would tell me I have to talk in, I have to use tie, I have to resume by 7 a.m. and all, I'll be bad at that job because it's not part of my ethics. I'm not so good with handling gadgets, electronics, and also I believe I'll be very bad at computer engineering. I wouldn't know how to go about it. I wouldn't know how to fix you know, things here and there. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Zambia's Anti-Corruption Commission has arrested a former health minister and four others for an alleged deal worth nearly $18 million. The arrests are the latest in an anti-corruption campaign against former officials, as Cathy Short reports from Lusaka. Zambia's Anti-Corruption Commission says former health minister Chitalu Chilufia defrauded the government in a deal to buy health kits worth nearly 18 million U.S. dollars. He was arrested and charged Wednesday along with four others, the ministry's former permanent secretary and three directors of the Honeybee Pharmacy Company. They denied the charges and were released on bond until the case goes to court. Chilufia was previously arrested for alleged corruption in 2020. The charges of purchasing shares and property with proceeds of crime, which he denied, were later dropped. Separately, Zambia's Drug Enforcement Commission, DEC, on Wednesday detained opposition politician Kelvin Fubewalia for failing to report a suspicious transaction. He also denied the charge. Wednesday's arrests are the latest in a Zambian government campaign to crack down on corruption. Critics say the campaign is being used to target and intimidate political opponents. Numerous officials who served under former President Edgar Lungu have been arrested and his family has been questioned. In July, Zambia's anti-money laundering agency questioned former First Lady Esther Lungu over her ownership of 15 luxury apartments, but no arrest was made. Current President Hagainde Hichilema has denied allegations that his fight against corruption is targeting opponents. Hichilema defeated Lungu in the August 2021 election in part because of his promises to crack down on fraud and government waste. So far, there have been many charges and investigations in the anti-corruption campaign, but few convictions. Kathy Short for VOA News, Lusaka, Zambia. 
Delegates at Africa's biggest oil conference have expressed concern about oil prices rising after the organization of petroleum exporting countries plus, known as OPEC plus, decided this week to cut production. The majority of the oil 13 member states are in Africa, but many African countries have to import refined oil. Vicky Stark reports from Cape Town, South Africa, where the conference is taking place. Speaking at Africa Oil Week, Omar Farouk Ibrahim, the Secretary General of the African Petroleum Producers Organization, said the move is aimed at ensuring stability in the global market and ensuring prices don't plunge too low. I believe it's the right thing they did in order to save the industry. So I, I totally think that every country has a responsibility to protect the interests of its citizens. And if by reducing production. They see that as in their best interest. So be it. Rashid Ali Abdallah, Executive Director of the African Energy Commission, AFRIC, said it was too early to tell what the impact of the cuts would be. I hope that the price is not shooting up because in Africa we depend on oil products in power generation. Natasha Masano, the vice president of Angola's National Agency for Petroleum, Gas and Biofuels, said she wasn't sure yet how the announcement would affect her country. Angola and Nigeria are the two biggest oil producers on the African continent and are OPEC members. Some countries will be more affected more than the others. Some who are benefiting, of course, the producers may benefit for the high prices, but at the same time, they are also so paying for uh, paying more for for all other commodities Saudi Arabia, which is OPEC's biggest producer, has denied colluding with Russia on the production cut. However, Herman Wang, the managing editor of Vienna-based OPEC and Middle East News, says one can't tell what's discussed behind closed doors and says the cut is clearly a big win for Russia. Well, it's hard to say what's said behind closed doors in these private conversations uh, between the ministers, but clearly this is a big win for Russia. We know that they are trying to raise money uh, for their war effort in Ukraine. They are, uh, again, like all these OPEC plus countries, um, heavily reliant on oil revenues. And uh, when you have a case where the outlook for the war is, is quite dire and they're needing this revenue. Um, and the other impact of this is that higher oil prices make it harder for the West to enforce and impose their sanctions on, on Russia. So that might have been part of the, the calculation here for Russia in terms of trying to get this uh, production cut done and uh, certainly getting it, uh, getting the, the Saudi Arabias and the UAEs and the Kuwaits on board with this cut when they're the ones who are going to be doing most of the cutting, that's a huge strategic win for Russia. OPEC Plus members said the group will cut production by 2 million barrels per day. U.S. President Biden called the move short-sighted, noting the global economy is dealing with the negative impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Vicky Stark for VOA News, Cape Town, South Africa. We'd love to hear your comments on issues in this broadcast. My colleague Nabil Biagio is ready with this week's listener comment. Over to you, Nabil. Thank you, John. Many of you weighed in this week about the South Sudanese student protests in Cairo, including Garquath Manong Chuang Kujik from Juba, who writes, 
Good evening, John Tanzan Nabil. The beating of two South Sudanese students and arrest of 16 others in the aftermath of a sit-in protest at the country's embassy in Egypt on Monday last night is a move which will never be tolerated because our brothers and sisters who are in Egypt are told by the Minister of Higher Education in South Sudan that the scholarships are fully funded. How can the Egyptian government embarrass its students and beat them like thieves and criminals who are against international law? Don Majok Korai from Gumbek says, Hello, VOA. The government of South Sudan should rescue the current situation of South Sudanese university students in Cairo, Egypt, from being beaten by Egyptian police and hold talks to release them from police custody. They, the government of South Sudan, should end the scholarship trouble. Marco Majok from Tony South writes, Hello, VOA. My message to the government of South Sudan is to take full responsibility of its students who are abroad. We should not allow our children to suffer in different countries because of studies. Why should we not improve the education system and stabilize the security in the country? To my fellow countrymen, let's not hope far beyond our capacity. If we can insert more effort within the country's universities, we can still be bright and informed. Tong Chuni Yong Kwai from Juba says, To me, it's sad news to hear that South Sudanese students are suffering outside the country in Egypt and they were sent to school by the government in Juba. The South Sudan ambassador to Egypt made a wrong decision for ordering police personnel to fight with the students. These are the people he represents in Egypt. The South Sudan government should not allow this person to continue as a South Sudan ambassador to Egypt because some of them are in critical condition and some have disappeared. Robert Nyombe Lisog Duku in the BDBD Refugee Settlement says, Hello, South Sudan in focus. It's so sad to hear that South Sudanese students who are on government scholarship are going through a lot in Egypt. I don't know whether these students were told the scholarship was partial or fully funded. Otherwise, it's really not good. Let this government style since it's not even the beginning of all that. Thanks for the show. Majing Malwal Alwong in Juba says, our government should utilize the International Day for Teachers to address the issue of our teachers who always stage their peaceful sit-down strikes for demanding their unpaid allowances to be paid in better working conditions. Unfortunately, it is the ordinary teachers who are suffering because their own government has failed to provide services to the employees. Jacob Dior Machuang in Juba says, Dear John Tanza and Nabil, I'm grateful for the work you're doing. South Sudan in Focus is leaving no stone unturned when it comes to coverage in all its programs. My request to the VOA South Sudan administration is to add a program for connecting us with our beloved ones who were separated from us by conflicts and we are unable to find them. Please create Find Your Beloved Ones. That would be a nice program in the middle of the week. Thanks. Madrama James Lino from Juba says, Hello, VOA. The century's efforts to bring light to corrupt practices in South Sudan without maintaining robust sanctions, targeting individuals and entities responsible for undermining public offices is adding more salt to the wounds. I urge the government of South Sudan to demonstrate similar concern for the well-being of its people by taking significant steps to deal with corruption, increase accountability, and implement policies that reduce corruption and promote development. Thanks. 
Mal Adawman in Bortown says hello Nabil and John. The central report on South Sudanese government is not a surprise to all citizens and nobody can deny that our country is a huge scamming financial center. Just take the case of the former finance minister since burial back in 2020 which cost over a hundred thousand dollars. That was corruption of the highest order. The views expressed here do not reflect the views of this program or VOA. Thanks for all your comments. Keep them coming. Keep your comments brief and we shall sample some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Friday. Don't forget to check out VOAAfrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. For world news, go to VOANews.com. If you miss this broadcast, go to VOANews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with some high life from Ghana by Ofori Bonfrey. From Ghana by Ofori Bonfrey. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.